Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... She is a regular here at Tell Me More, so I want you guys to give her the love she deserves. Give it up for Harvest Belante! I have had many occupations in my life. Probably the one that I get most questions about is when I was a substitute teacher. I think substitute teaching is something that we all have some experience with, but we don't necessarily know how they came to be. And I personally did substitute teaching or became a substitute teacher um, back when I lived in California. I was about 24, 25 years old. And I had just graduated from UC Berkeley with an English degree. I decided I would go ahead and kind of keep that student debt ball rolling and just go straight into a master's degree in film and television production. So already I hope you guys are kind of getting a sense of who I was and if you're thinking, okay, an English degree, then a film degree, she sounds financially savvy and very forward thinking. <laughs> you guys, you're right on. But, but we want to kind of keep ourselves in that 24-year-old mindset. So there's a little bit of naivete. You can kind of cut me some slack. Um, so I had gone into my film and television production program, and they expected you, as, as is reasonable, that you would work with a lot of uh, your fellow classmates on their film shoots on nights and weekends. That was kind of the expectation. So as you can imagine, I'm going out trying to find work, and I'm going up to employers. Uh, basically, I'm only qualified to work retail at this point, and I'm going into stores, and I'm saying, hey, I really want to work with you. I can't work any nights and weekends, but it's okay because I'm going to film school. And that, that sounded a lot cooler kind of in my head than I think it did for them. So I was not getting a very good response from most employers. I was working a lot of piecemeal for a while, and suddenly it dawns on me. I should look into substitute teaching. Uh, this was not something completely foreign. I did grow up in a family of teachers, um, and I had also kind of had the seed planted when I had been at Berkeley, because as we finish up our, our final classes, uh, we have to do a senior thesis portion where we do a presentation and turn in a 30-page paper, and that basically decides whether or not we graduate. And so the next day after you do this, you meet with the professor and you talk about how it went. I did my presentation, met with my professor. She gave me one note. First, she gave me an A+, which was awesome. And she said, you possess a pedagogical gift, and you really should develop it. Now, I kind of feel bad about this because I'm, I was trying to think why this was. I, I am an intelligent person, and I was an English major from Berkeley, but I did remember having to go home and look up the word pedagogical to figure out what exactly she had complimented me on. But I look it up, and basically, sure enough, it says, you can teach. Okay. So this was kind of the seed that had been planted. And in California, substitute teaching is relatively simple. You have to have your bachelor's degree. You have to take a general knowledge test called the CBEST in order to be able to sub. And then you just start applying. I applied and started working for two school districts um, to give people who haven't been 
to California or aren't familiar with the layout of Orange County and kind of the cultural and economic diversity there, I, I can basically sum it up this way. I subbed for San Juan Capistrano School District, uh, where I was on any given day teaching the Real Housewives of Orange County's kids. And then about 10 minutes up the road, I was in the Tustin School District, where I was subbing for the Real Housewives Housekeepers kids. And that really is kind of the breakup of Orange County. 10 minutes away, you've got very different circumstances. But I really came to love both school districts, and I, I kind of became more or less a resident sub. A lot of people, um, they put a lot of fear into you when you're considering substitute teaching because they go, oh, God, you're going to have to be up at 5 in the morning, and you're going to have to take you know all these random calls, and it's, it's just you'll never know where you're going to go. That is true to a point when you first start. But what I discovered very early on is that if you left feedback for teachers and basically told them how the day actually went, they were pleased with that, and a lot of teachers would then pre-book you. And so I started getting a lot of pre-bookings and knowing where I was going, so I wasn't having to take those early calls. Um, So I give you guys a little bit of this background to tell you kind of what I'm doing at what age. And um, and in case, who knows, many of you, some of you are students, so you guys might be thinking of substitute teaching at this point. Um, I, I personally love the profession. I often tell people that if I could go back and do anything and if money you know, really wasn't an object because um, you don't make a ton of money from it, but I would do it until I couldn't work anymore because I love the job. Um, but... You guys can tell me um, after you hear the story entitled Funnel Cakes and Feces, A Week <laughs> in the Smells of a Substitute Teacher, you can decide what you think, and, and I'll let you be the judge. So <laughs> we're going to kind of jump right into Funnel Cakes. That's, that's the more fun part. So Funnel Cakes. Um, one of the schools that I subbed at primarily, I got asked by the teacher, hey, can you fill in for me for our annual field trip to Knott's Berry Farm? Knott's Berry Farm is an amusement park um, similar to Bush Gardens. They do a field trip there for the fourth graders. You can go, and in the mornings, they get to see all the, um, like, they get to go through California mining and gold rush history and mission history, and then by afternoon, you let the kids out, and they get to ride a couple roller coasters. Everybody goes home. It's a fun day. The kids look forward to it. I was looking forward to it, but I was also a little bit hesitant because this was watching 30 kids at an amusement park all day long, so... You know, I'm 24, I I come up with a strategy. My strategy basically, watch them like a fucking hawk. Like that's, this is, okay, I'm on you, I'm on, I got 30 kids and I'm gonna be dead on all day, the entire day. And this worked beautifully. I started executing it almost immediately. We get to the park, and all, all over, the, they're asking me questions. There's, um, Knott's Berry Farm is kind of uh, laid out so that you have to go through this main corridor where they're very smart with their marketing. Uh, on the one side is their very popular ride, the log ride. On the other side is the mining ride. And smack in the middle is the funnel cake kiosk. So you've got funnel cake wafting through the crowd the entire day. And we're walking walking through this corridor back and forth, and my 10-year-old's, uh, 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 Miss Bologna, Miss Bologna, I, I brought souvenir money, but I, I don't want a souvenir. Could I just have a funnel cake, please? Could I have a funnel cake? No, no, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. No, you're not getting a funnel cake. No. So I was doing really well. The kids were safe. I'm not going to say they were happy, but they were safe, and it was fine. It was a field trip. So we're going. We, we make it all the way through the day. We get through the roller coasters. They're safe. They're sound. 
I'm walking, and, and the way that the day was set up, we were supposed to kind of meet um, all of us at this meeting place and then get on the buses. So I'm kind of following about 20 feet behind a couple of my boys, Jose, Michael, James. They're talking. They're good kids. And as we're walking through Knott's Berry Farm, you've got up above us um, these roller coasters, and some of, the, some of the steel frames of the roller coasters went overhead. So every so often, you'd hear the screaming people, and everybody kind of looks up, and there's these big steel pylons that go up to support the framework. Well, as one car goes by, everybody kind of looks up, and as I look back down, Jose is tripping over a concrete pad that kind of juts out from the pylon. Okay, kind of rush up to him. Jose, you okay? Yeah, Miss Blenny, it hurts, it hurts. Jose gets a holy mother of God, Jose. Jose's arm, if I can describe it, looked like an elbow piece of macaroni, kind of curved in the way that your arm is not <laughs> supposed to curve, and hanging limply from his side. It hurts, Miss Blenny. Yeah. Okay. Shit, come on, Jose. We're going to get you to first aid, buddy. My kids are in a frenzy right now, of course. They're running all over the place. Thank God the other teachers are trying to wrangle them. I've got first aid people coming up to me. We get Jose to the tent. I'm waiting with him. We call his mom. Um, It occurs to me at this point that I am very lucky because had I been in the housewives county, I'm fairly certain that the mom would have come in and been like, hi, Miss Belante, speak to my lawyer. We're going to be suing everyone today. But at Jose's, you know, at, at our other school district, Jose's mom was actually grateful. Oh, maestro, thank you so much for taking care of my son. And it was like, okay, I... I'm, you're welcome. Yeah, I hope he's okay. And they've they've bandaged him up, and it's okay. And and they get him on the they get him in the car. I get on the bus. The bus ride back to the school is about 20 minutes. It felt like five hours. The principal, as I expected, was waiting when I got off the bus. And he comes up to me, and he meets my eyes, and he kind of smiles, and he says, "So, your first broken arm, huh?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "God." Poor Jose, he just got out of a cast like six months ago. Yeah. All right, well, he'll be okay. His mom's great. She, she knows everything's good. It wasn't anybody's fault. Why don't you go home and have a glass of wine? We'll see you next week. Okay, all right. Um, and I wish that I had taken his advice. I actually wish that I had gone home and had more like a bottle of wine. Um, but I needed to work, and I was a grad student that that needed to work. So I actually called into the system, and I really wasn't paying attention, but I just kind of took the first job that, that came up, and I, and I wasn't booked for the next day, so I took whatever they called and got the directions written down, went to this school. Next morning, I show up at this school, and unbeknownst to me, I had signed up to take on a special education kind of emotionally challenged classroom, which is not the normally like type of class that I usually take on because I was not formally trained with those students, and so I tried to avoid you know working in those classrooms. Um, the good news for me was that there actually were multiple other teachers that handled the classroom as well, so I was just kind of subbing in for one of those teachers. And they knew, they realized early on too when I talked to them that I was not formally trained And so they said, hey, no worries. We're going to put you kind of on easy duty today. You're going to walk the kids back and forth to the bathrooms. No biggie. 
So if you guys, uh, most of you have not, but if you've ever gone with me or if you ever go with me to the mall, say, at Christmas time, you'll notice that we might be walking in a crowded area and that I might suddenly kind of bob left or dart right. You'll wonder, why am I doing this? Well, it's because I'm very strategic and I have been walking, but suddenly I have seen someone up ahead cough and or sneeze and I am suddenly darting out of the way so that I do not walk through their germ-ridden air. It's a very smart move and hopefully mildly endearing on my part but I am in fact a germaphobe. So you can imagine that being told I got you know, bathroom duty, this was kind of like, oh, okay, this is my penance. I broke a child's arm yesterday. I understand. I deserve this. Okay, this is, I will do this. So all day long, come on, let's go to the bathroom. Let's, let's go to the bathroom. Okay, I'm, nope, you, you are such a big girl. I'm going to let you go ahead in there by yourself, and I'm just going to stand out here by the door Okay, all right, all done. Let's go back. Nope, nope. Oh, we're actually not going to hold hands on the way back. We'll just march. Okay, this works great. So, all right, I got done. Got throughout most of the day. We were doing okay. And towards the end of the day, in the latter hour, um, one of the teachers says to me, Harvest, you know, Christopher over there seems a little bit agitated. Can you take him to the bathroom again and see what's going on? Okay, sure. Christopher, come on back. So, I'm waiting out by Christopher, and I I don't hear anything. And all of a sudden, I kind of hear, like a a very guttural scream. Christopher, you doing okay, bud? Ah, I hear the scream again. Hmm. Christopher? (laughs) Christopher, you okay in there? (laughs) Okay, bud, I'm going to go ahead and open the door, see what's going on. I opened the door, and yes, Christopher was agitated, as it turns out, Um, and he felt better now that he had kind of painted and smeared the wall with his feces, and he stood there, and the kid gave me this look, honestly, like, you couldn't even be mad at the kid, because I just met his eyes, and I was like, you're having a worse day than I am, I, (laughs) I'm, it's okay, all right, Christopher, we're going to get us a bucket and let's work this out. And we actually did. I spent the, the last part of the afternoon cleaning. And I'll tell you, to be honest, Christopher kind of like, I think he sort of found it therapeutic and he calmed down a lot. And he began talking to me as I cleaned. And every so often he would sort of just let out this gale of laugh that was this gale of laughs that was kind of endearing. Um, I think more or less because he was recognizing the absurdity of <laughs> our little moment. And so I finished cleaning up, and I thought, yeah, I have, you know, this has been my, my penance, and um, I did go home that night, and I remember that I decided I would take up the, the whole getting a drink notion, and I called some friends, and I was like, we, we do need to go out to drink tonight, and I went out with some of my friends, and I remember regaling them with this story as well, and the look of kind of shock and awe on their faces, and I think about this week quite often because I took a lot of flack from my film school friends at this point of my life because I was not doing what the natural thing was in film school to do. They didn't understand my job and no one could figure out why I would do something that got so little reward for, you know, such output. 
And, you know, the thing to do at film school really was if you wanted to be successful, you would go out and and start working as a production assistant or somebody's assistant, and that's how you moved steadily up the ladder. You just brought people coffee and, you know, provided you're not a woman that wants to get groped, as we all know now. So, you know, other than that, you would keep moving up the ladder and eventually make it to executive status. And... I was doing something very different. And so when I look at it now, though, I I think for what I do in my life, you know, flash forward many years later, I am still learning from those experiences that I had subbing. And those, that one week was just a drop in the bucket. But on a daily basis today, I am in various high schools working with a nonprofit organization. I am teaching ODU kids um, film and television production and screenwriting classes. And I am still actually working retail, which is kind of amazing, and, and uh, dealing with adults who, for whatever reason, cannot make it onto uh, the bowl either. And that I shouldn't be cleaning up after them, but that's kind of another story. Um, But all of these things kind of still incorporate into my life, and I think what I was noticing as I was thinking about this story is we tend to fixate so much on these light bulb moments and sort of having an epiphany. What am I going to do when I grow up? And for me, that epiphany never really came, but what was more telling was simply the fact that I had a week like what I had, broken arms, shit all over the wall and I kept calling that subline and I kept going back for more and so eventually that sort of became the telling thing like maybe that's the direction I need to go to because most other people probably wouldn't have done so so I guess the moral of this story is that you know um, the the smell of success is not always what we think it's going to be but that doesn't make it any less right And so I apologize for talking about so much human waste during restaurant week, but um, I hope you guys (laughs) have a great week, and thank you so much. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.